The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water, The Changing Environment. I'm Sharon Kleiner. Many, many years ago, I began studying about 30 years ago about the earth and what was happening to the stress of life, human life, called stress, emotions, and challenges to deal with life, with emotions uh, of the unknown. And as I began to study, I became the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center uh, in the world. We are the only research center studying the technology of water and the water that is living with you and in you as uh, the molecules in those cells that are in the millions and trillions, and then the water on the earth that affects you and the life of earth. In other words, earth is not living just for you, only it's living for the whole organism of the earth and the universe. But how can you personally learn to live with yourself, number one, and the earth every day as it changes? And as I learned in my studies that the breath of life that you take, the breath, and what I'm saying to all of you and to myself, I'm talking to me too, is that breath of life every day has to depend upon the air. And when I began to study in my research, and I put millions of dollars toward this, is the life you're living with dry air, the breath of air, is vital to your everyday lifestyle, personally. And every show, each week, you will learn this. The moment you were born, you left the pocket of water of your mother and entered into the suction cup of air. Life began to the final moment, heaven on earth, okay? You need to learn that what we, each of the guests are trying to teach us is something about the life you're living with on this earth. And each week it could be something to do with your eyes because the air is dry. Your eyes could be dry and it's because of dry air. The nature of the air, your skin is vital. It could be, it's the most vital organ of your body for all to breathe, detoxify. Today we're going to be discussing um, an interesting topic about when certain things happen to handicap you. You need to understand there are, there are uh, available to you different sources to go to, but one are, are all dogs are the angels at heart. And I believe that, and I know many of you do. Animals are the biggest, most important thing of our lives. I don't care if you're looking at the animal out in the forest, in the jungle, at your home. Their animals are part of us. They are, we are part of them. And if you're handicapped or you have a, somebody you know who's handicapped, today we're going to learn more about that. That's living with your earth and living healthy, learning more about that. And then today we're going to have uh, a guest from Menlo Park in California, a, geology, uh, a geologist who's going to teach us about the U.S. Geology Survey about uh, different uh, volcanoes and what is happening on the earth. And I can hardly wait on that one, too, because that was our Earth from the beginning, the volcanoes and the movement of our Earth. 
So today you're coming to our classroom and to the research lab. You're going to look at yourself, feel yourself, give yourself a pinch, and learn what you can from what each week we teach you from the Sharon Kleiner Hour. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of 100% tissue culture grade water to moisturize the eyes because the air is dry. We're going to listen to Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with our first guest, Ellen Tonic. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Today we're going to be talking to Ellen Tonic about all dogs are angels at heart. Earth has a secret, everyone. And in this classroom today, listen closely about what is being learned to help many people throughout the world with those dogs that have hearts and their wonderful trainers. Ellen, are you with us? Yes, and, and, and unfortunately, it's Eileen. Eileen. Yeah, well, you know, I apologize to you because time. the spelling audience is E-I-L-E-E-N, Eileen. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Eileen. Okay, I'm sorry. So That's I'm glad right. you, in fact, I was going to ask you uh, if I was pronouncing it right. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Okay. Good weekend and... Um, out here at a, a doggy daycare, taking time off to talk to you and playing okay. with the dogs out in the hot Arizona air. Now, do you, do you own a trainer's uh, kennel uh, location to where there's a lot of dogs being trained? Well, um, yes, dogs get trained here, but also it's a, a daycare and overnight care where dogs okay. run free on an acre okay. and learn how to communicate with each other um, and become dogs again. So it's a great facility to work at and be with. I think we've lost Eileen. Uh, she may have poked a button, and okay. we will try her again. And okay. are you with us, Eileen? Yes, I'm with you. Okay, you uh, something clicked, and I didn't hear you any longer. Oh, okay. Am I back? Yes, you're back. Oh, good. Okay, this can happen, and that's the beauty of technology because we <laughs> can, you don't have to fly in here, and we don't have to fly to you. And our producers are out of Arizona, by the way, yeah. World Talk Radio. And, um, but uh, tell us how you got involved, Eileen, in uh, uh, All Dogs Are Angels at Heart. Well, that's the book I wrote because I was noticing a lot of um, dogs getting euthanized a year, over $4 million. And then I also noticed that only 80% of the dogs are trained by women and only 3 to 5% of dog owners seek professional help. So my goal is to get people more involved with their animals, find different ways to have more fun with their dogs, and to give back to the community. So when I wrote this book, it was to make it really simple so a nine-year-old could read it and their family could read it together. 
mm-hmm. and find ways to work with common behavioral problems that keep cropping up that they can resolve instead of giving their dogs away or giving up on their dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've now, been I noticed that you um, also got involved with um, different types of training for handicap situations. Right. Um, at one point in my training, that's what launched me with Angel Dogs, my professional business, is I saw an article in the Arizona Republic on uh, becoming volunteers for Guide Dogs for the Blind. And I read the article and I said, this sounds like something I would be very interested in, and this was 13 years ago. Eileen, did you know that every five seconds somebody's going blind? Um, you know, I did not. I just know did that a television that. show uh, for public broadcasting television in Florida about two months ago for the blind. Yeah. And, uh, but my research has been into the eye organ because what's happening out there is devastating. Um, out of 250 babies born, there could be a cataract. Um, there's such, there was never, we have not had enough research into um, what's happening uh, to the eyes and the environment. But. Right. Um, we really uh, got, uh, the whole show was just fabulous, and it airs on July 1st on public broadcasting television, but on the blind. But uh, how much have you done, because uh, that's dear to my heart, is the handicapped uh, of the blind, because macular degeneration. Um, in fact, my hostess on the show was a young woman who has macular degeneration, and her son, who's a young man, is getting um, uh, uh, problems with macular degeneration as a young, like 18-year-old, I believe he was. Um, so how much have you done with the blind? Well, I worked with them for three years, and I uh, managed to work with two dogs, mm-hmm. Lowell and Reuben, and I got them both certified, and they are working with blind people to this day. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I was with the organization, it was pretty amazing. They said only um, 25% of all dogs pass. Mm-hmm. And I went in there blind, not knowing, huh, pun, that uh, what I was doing. And um, the first dog I ever trained passed. And then I said, I'll try this again. And I got a more difficult dog, and mm-hmm. he ended up passing too. And mm-hmm. they said that was pretty remarkable to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really proud, and then I started looking into other avenues because my mother is also partially blind and has macular degenerative disease. Now, isn't it strange what's happening? Um, uh, you know, I've been in research for 30 years, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, and how I got into the human eye is I had been in studying the skin organ and the, and the cr- mm-hmm. critical life of the skin living in this air we're all breathing. And, and by the way, Eileen, I learned that indoor conditions, because of forced air, heating, and cooling, insulated windows and walls. But the rest of it, with the carpeting and the chemicals and our bedding and more, is the mm-hmm. worst place to be is indoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can make all the money they want, excuse me, world, on the outdoors, on the environment, and uh, what's happening with global change. But I'm saying, come on, let's start putting a lot of money, Eileen, indoors. But back to the uh, eyes. I was brought in years and years ago to study the eyes like I had studied the skin. And I found that because the air is so dry, the eyelid is open. Oh, my gosh. The, even animals are affected, by the way, because yes, the air is so dry that the, uh, and the eye organ is connected to your brain in the womb, right together. They go together. Well, the brain is 80% water, but the eyes aren't. You just have this clear tear film that protects the eyes when the eyelid is open. Well, along the way, I was just shocked 
at what was happening to the eyes because it's the only organ that's not covered by the skin when your eyelid is open. Right. So now what do we have? Lack of study, lack of research of what is happening in the environment. So Maya decided, Eileen, okay, I've got to dive into that one too. Mm-hmm. And I did. And uh, here we are today now with dogs that I've been learning and our pets that can be taught how to help us if we are diagnosed early enough let's say you're diagnosed early enough that you can start having a uh, dog trained to help you as you grow, get, in, uh, get worse each day and your uh, ability to see becomes every day lessened, uh, worse, let's say. Uh, yes. So you had some darn good luck with that. Now, what about, uh, it says here also that you've worked with hospice? Well, what I did is I developed a therapy uh, dog training class where people can become therapy teams with their dogs. And one of my pet peeves is having these teams go and work with the hospice victims, but also veterans who come back from war who are seriously injured. And bringing in dogs, my husband was in the hospital for a week, and he said the only time he never thought about his pain was when the dogs were there because he knew yeah. was going to give him a shot. You know, I am so excited. I wear a bracelet. I am so supportive of all first responders. In other words, uh, we have our firemen, we have our police officers, we have our paramedics, and our soldiers, our heroes, that give me the right to have a freedom of choice. And, uh, do th- uh, and, and disagree, we have freedoms, thanks to our soldiers around the world. Right. To tell the world that there is a higher power and that, by gosh, in heaven, they're trained to go protect us like other responders are. You and I are not trained to fight the fire. You and I are not trained to be a paramedic. We're not trained to be a police officer. We're not trained to be a soldier. So thank gosh and thank God they're out there. So the dogs, when they come back and they need this uh, therapy of, of responding to something other than humans, mm-hmm. the dog, they can learn to nurture and love and give themselves to a, a dog or an animal uh, that is part, it becomes part of them. Yeah. Yeah. One of my uh, relatives, uh, Ruben Martin, who is a fireman up in Marin, seriously got injured last year and almost lost his leg in his life. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things now that we respect him for is he doesn't want to talk about his injuries anymore. He's right. just talking about them. So when you bring in the dog teams and things like that, it directs it to something else, which mm-hmm. helps them, you know, forget about their worries and their worries about their injuries and worries about having post-traumatic stress from the injury. And so the dog comforts them, and then they open up about other things in their lives. and. Mm-hmm. Um, us as human beings are very curious and want to know about these injuries, but a lot of times we don't understand that these human beings don't want to talk about their injuries anymore. They want to right. talk about something else. So the what? dogs are a good breakthrough with hospice, with child crisis units, right? bringing teams over. And, and you know something else, too, Eileen. Uh, you might not have thought of it, but I've seen many people who retire from their occupations after many years mm-hmm. And they're just sitting there, and they're not relating to. And it, a, a dog is so exciting for a person who's retired after working for years. They've got something else in their life, right? right. Their pet, their their friend. They they build. Now I need to tell everybody, and you, Eileen. I have had we have had many dogs in our home, mm-hmm. and I have been known. Um, I live in a, a kind of like a cabin on the Rogue River in Oregon, in Grand Pass, Oregon. 
I grew up loving to swing on the grapevines and swim through the rapids. I don't look like an audience, but because I, I do wear the three-proof suit and go around the world in business too. But the dogs have always been, we've always inherited them. We never really went to buy one. We inherited them from someone, and they became a part of us. They're, they're people. They're a part of us. And we've been known to have three of them in our room with a bunch of kids, our grandchildren, and through the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are special. They're living with us. Mm-hmm. They're a part of us. They're, they're um, angels at heart, I guess, a good one to say, too, because they, they pick up on you like they're people, too. Uh, now, tell us about um, something about the hospice, too, because um, I know there's the crises and the recovery uh, therapies, but tell us about what you've done with hospice. Well, now that um, the hospitals out here are opening up the avenues for the dog teams to come into hospice. Wow. And um, so now you can Uh go into, um, like, Desert Sam and go into the building with the dogs and go visit the families, but also go visit the person who is dying. Mm -hmm. And it brings comfort to them, too, Mm -hmm. um, because this is their final stages of life, and it's quite frightening. So when the dogs come... You know, their hearts relax a lot better. The families relax a lot more. Mm-hmm. And they find that it makes the passing a lot easier. And um, bless the souls of the people who are the handlers of the dogs that go into these areas because it is um, very traumatic to see people dying and suffering from their final stages. But mm-hmm. it comforts these people, even the ones that are in uh, coma and dosed uh, through drugs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that they notice um, they can still hear, they can still feel things around them, and it seems to comfort them. Yeah, in fact, uh, that is a fascination because years ago I've had people through the years, you know, they'll have mm-hmm. somebody who's passing or in a coma, and I'll say, well, turn the music up in their room, mm-hmm. start right. a reading to them, uh, rub them from head to toe, right. um, do whatever you have to do to keep responding, and uh, I know of one person who brought her son out of a coma, and he's, he was fine. They didn't think he'd make it, and he'd been in a coma for almost two months. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the, the animal bringing a pet in, and they can sense that there is something there other than, and the pet senses something. So I could see that relationship there by that life bond. Uh, people forget that animals sense. We're animals, too. We sense. We have our senses. Right. So that is fascinating. Now, um, what have you done? We're going to take a break in a moment with our, when I say that we have to take a break, we'll leave and come back. But be thinking about what you've been doing, anything at all, with children who need also a companion because of situations that may have happened in their lives. Um, Our children are becoming very important to this uh, planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we're finding out in Iran, kids under 30 and under uh, throughout the world in our country, kids, 30 and under, their relationships and their, their, uh, on the computer and um, Twitter and Facebook and iTunes and Apple's iTunes and I could go on and on and on and talk radio. They're loving it. And we're finding these children, I call them children, young people 30 and under down to certain ages, they're needing, they're reaching out. And what are you doing in the field there? to think about your, the animals and their relationships with kids when they're under a crisis or going through a drug recovery. Uh, that's maybe something you guys haven't thought about. It's the first thing I thought about just now. 
a drug recovery and a family drug recovery? Do they bring animals in to assist that yet at all? Yes, they, they are. They do, and they have, um, like, Gabriel's Angels out here in Arizona. Gabriel's Angels. Trial, yes, who go into trial crisis units. You know, we're going to take a minute from ours with our sponsor, okay. but hang on to that one. I want to hear that, and I know our audience uh, does, too, because it's called, they're called Gabriel uh, Angels, and they're over in, uh, there in uh, Arizona? Yes, they are. Okay, uh, well, here, oh, I want to hear about that. We're going to listen to our sponsor. Nature's Here's Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing the eye with tissue culture grade water with just a mist. It sells in CVS drugstore chains nationwide. And we'll listen to our sponsor. We'll be right back with Eileen. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Eileen, when we took our moment there with our sponsor, by the way, I need to tell you that Nature Series I missed. They've been testing it with dogs and animals of all kinds, and they have eye trouble too, and the pus, and, and also Nature Series I missed is also good for our pets. I needed to tell you. Um, I was excited about the children, what's going on, because of the technology of, mm-hmm. of uh, Twitter, uh, iTunes. We could go on and on and on, mm-hmm. the social media, let's call it. And um, children, tell us about what's going on with what you said. The, it's called the Gabriel Angels. Gabriel Angels. I meant Pam Gaber and Gabriel. Oh, it's called Gabriel. Gaber. Gabriel. Gabriel. Uh, Years ago, and she, Pam helped Gabriel become a therapy dog. And okay, from okay. there, they developed Gabriel's Angels. And what they oh. do is they go into child crisis units where children have been taken away from the families for various reasons uh-huh. and live in these centers, and they bring dog teams. Oh, yeah. And um, give these children moments of comfort, teaching them that dogs are um, not a threat to them, and also to teach them... But animals have feelings, too, and uh, try to stop the cycle of abuse because usually it starts with animals. Uh-huh. And so these teens go in there and help the children release the anger, release the sadness, and then they find the children start opening up and talking to the dogs about... Hugging. They're hugging and, they're, and they're petting. And, yes, they're and petting, they're, calling they're them brushing. By okay. And the thing is, is how do you get a dog there? You know, yeah. how can you, because you can't just bring a dog into a center. You can't bring them into a hospital. So you have to pass a test. One of the organizations is called Delta Society. And it's I called help Delta, I'm in, sorry, it's, it's called what society? Delta. D-E-L-T-A. Delta. Okay. Delta Society. Okay. And it's based out of Washington. And it's like an umbrella of insurance for these dog teams, plus it's a support organization for these teams. And Mm -hmm. so what I've done is developed a class that people can attend 
to prepare for the test, the handler and the dog, to prepare for the test, skill part of the test, Mm -hmm. because they have to go through certain things in order to become a team. Mm -hmm. And one of them is a written test, and one of them is a skill test, and then health and all these questions, and uh, they have to be fingerprinted and things like that. Once they pass that, then they can start looking into the avenues of working with either veterans, um, child crisis centers, hospitals, or even what they're doing now, they're flying over to the Middle East with their teams, and when the men come off the field, they go and visit the dogs so they have moments of having peace in their souls and petting the dogs and talking about the dogs, and it's helping with post-traumatic stress syndrome. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of different avenues this is opening up, and it's just wonderful because now we've gone through service dogs who help the blind, the people in wheelchairs, Um, the deaf people to people who can take their own family pet and start helping the community in these really wonderful, positive ways. Now, um, I was going to ask you today, um, I was really excited about this today because I'm very, my whole career and life has been concerning other people's lives and their their Mm -hmm. comfort and their happiness and health. Mm -hmm. Uh, When did this, the when did it become evident way back in time? Do you remember ever reading when they began to train dogs to do any of this? Well, when, when did they find this out that dogs could do this? 75 years with um, the first one was Guide Dogs for the Blind. And uh-huh. I think it's over 75 years when the soldiers were coming back from World War II with okay. uh, injuries and being blind. And they started training shepherds at this point. The main population now is labs. But that's when it began there. And then different organizations like CCI, which is Canine Companions for mm-hmm. Independent Living, came along a little later on. Okay, so, so they're, they're, well, originally they, they found that shepherds, but now you said they're almost maybe. dominantly labs? Yes, labadors. Uh-huh. Some goldens. And then, um, you know, the thing that is so great is that, once again, um, people learn something from something that may be traumatic, like Mm -hmm. the wars. Mm -hmm. But these GIs came from the wars, and this program was developed because of that. Wonderful. Now it's for not only war veterans, but it's for everybody. And it's um, when the blind person qualifies for getting a dog, it's free to them. They don't have Mm -hmm. to pay for this dog. Um, Different organizations. That was the other thing before we're done. We have a a few more moments. what does it cost? Let's say we have somebody, uh, and I'm going to send your information to uh, the people in Florida that I was with mm-hmm. uh, for the public broadcasting TV. But I wanted to ask you, um, how much does it cost? Let's say a person would like to have a, a pet, a trained dog. How much does it cost them to get a trained dog? Well, um, the dog, by the time it's all polished and finished with the harness, is $50,000. Pardon? $50,000. So it's not open to a lot of people. Well, no, it is open to a lot of people. No, it's not. Um, you have to go What, where, what can a person do? Let's say we have people that are having issues, and usually by the time that you've had a, a, something happen to your health, you've depl- your, your health costs are enormous. Right. So how does a person uh, uh, afford to do that? Well, they go through the different states. Well, most of these organizations are nonprofit organizations. Uh-huh. And so when you're um, classified as going blind or having some medical problems, you go through the state. 
and the state helps you get an animal. Now, are there, you, let's say, where do they go, uh, let's say a listener is listening, and because uh, I know some people on my show that mm-hmm. I had in Florida listen, uh, many the blind, but there's other people out there that maybe have other friends or maybe they're going through a depletion of some typical, some type of handicap. Right. Uh, you know, that's why I reacted so um, strangely because I find myself, I get very, very disappointed and people wanting money, so uh, you know the money before you uh, can can help the people who really are needing it. It's costing so darn much money. How, where would they go to get assistance to afford such a thing? Well, the thing is, is that the people don't pay for it. When I said that the dog okay, is about okay. fifty thousand dollars, that is the cost that the organization puts into getting okay. the dog trained. Okay. When the people come to pick the dog, it costs them absolutely nothing. Thank for you. Instance, oh, I, I totally, I apologize to you yeah, and the I'm audience. Sorry. I really did nothing. I just leaped off my chair. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. you know, is it, this is how it would work in the so, Now, where would they go on the Internet to find that information, uh, let's say, with the, gov- the state or wherever? What's, is there a particular key word that they could type in to go research what, what, where they would find the type of pets that they, they would need? Well, it starts with, you know, what is your disability? If you're okay, blind, yes. then you go to the Blind Association in your state. Mm-hmm. And then they have trained counselors that talk to you to mm-hmm. find out what your needs and wants. And then they start talking about what would help you because not everybody qualifies to get a dog. They may not be the right match to get a dog. Mm-hmm. And let's say that does happen. Then... The state goes to the different organizations. Is there a particular key, Eileen, we only have a minute. Is there a particular yeah. key word they type in? That's, is, it, is it called something? Is it called whatever, uh, dogs for the blind, dogs for the whatever, uh, animal training for the whatever, handicap? Is there a particular key word? Service dogs. Service dogs. Service so dogs. So they could go the to, word. like, the state of uh, Arizona uh, um, location on the web and type in service dogs. Yes, service okay. Dogs. And that will get Wherever you, start you on the road to finding a organization that's closest to you. Okay, our time is up, and I'm sorry. And if you ever think of another topic that you'd like for us to learn more about your dogs and the training, is there something you'd like to leave with our uh, uh, audience? I know you have angeldogtraining.net. That's your website. Is there anything that you would like us to know before we go? Well, I think it's really important that people start picking up my book and start reading my book, All Dogs Are Angels at Heart, and they can get Mm -hmm. that through my website because it's the basics of starting to socialize your dogs so Mm -hmm. that you know what to do so the poor animal doesn't end up eventually in the pound or getting euthanized. That's the one big step. But it also, in my book, I bring out these organizations such as Delta Society and Guide Dogs Mm-hmm. And talk about different avenues, how you can take a puppy and raise it okay. the way you need to and help okay. others with your own dog. Okay, well, thank you for your time, Eileen. Welcome. And uh, you have a special day, and I know you're going to go hug a few dogs there. Oh, I am. Okay, well, thank you for your dedication and your mission. That's very important. Thank you very much. Okay, you have a special day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, isn't that fascinating? And if you know anyone yourself that how important uh, um, our animals are to us and our dogs, 
for being trained and train them. They've got to eat right. They've got to drink plenty of water. They've got to sleep right. They're important to you, so take good care of them. They're part of you. They're life with you. Share your life with your animals. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature Fears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing the eyes, and you can miss the pets. We have a lot of people who do that. The eyes have trouble. It's the only product like it. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dina. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Dina, are you with us? Uh, yes, I am. You know, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I'm sure you will. Uh, Dina? Yes. Okay, thank you. And you're a geologist with I the uh, Geological Survey Group in Menlo Park, California. Yes, the USGS in Menlo, Menlo Park, California. Uh-huh. And how long have you been a geologist? Well, uh, I guess... That depends on how you define a geologist. I collected uh -huh. rocks as a kid uh -huh. and um, studied geology in college and graduate school. Uh -huh. And then I went on and did some other work with startups. And so I've uh -huh. been in this position for a little over five years. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I, it's fascinating. You know, um, because I've been into water research, uh, Dina, for so long and loved the nature of Earth and loved everything about the feel of it, the fragrance of it. Uh, I don't even look at a rock the same. I, I, uh, you know, I don't look at the mountain. I have this thing about mountains with courage and wisdom, and the breath of life comes from them, but it takes those rocks and the water uh, that for millions of years um, formed those rocks. Uh, tell us what we would like to teach us today about you, what you've been learning about the geology of our planet. Well, thank you. First of all, I just wanted to say thank you very much for inviting me onto your show. And um, I work in the, with the Volcano Hazards Group here. Mm -hmm. And so my main job is to help communicate information about volcanoes. Let's have some fun. You know, when I okay. started my research years ago, I am so fortunate to have had the right people around. But tell us, when Earth first formed, what the volcano did to help that Earth begin to be where it's at today. Okay. Well, you are <laughs> catching me in an area that I may not be a, a, an expert in. But Don't worry about that because I know you've <laughs> rushed into it in some studies. Okay. Well, <clears throat> you know, I think it's at that time all of us stop saying, well, we're not an expert. Let's start having some fun <laughs> discussing. You know, I look at this show, Dina, like we're in a classroom together and we're going we're gonna to have some ideas and we're going to go back and forth and we can still say it's under research or something that you haven't studied enough that you don't have to answer, but... Let's enjoy the laboratory of our guests getting to know this planet. And the volcanoes were an enormous um, influence because when it began to move, the volcano would erupt. It had moved that lava around, and it had touched against each uh, the others along the way. And then maybe there would be a period in time, and then all of a sudden 
the, the water and the formation of our mountains and the formation of the valleys and the earth together, all because of the volcanoes' eruptions from the way back millions of years ago. That's true. Volcanoes do provide uh, a lot of gases come out of volcanoes, so we get water, a lot of steam, we get carbon dioxide and sulfur, and there's a lot of great eruptive products that we use from volcanoes. Well, and that lava would move. And when yes. the lava moved, every time, whenever it would have an eruption or wherever it would be, the, the movement of the earth would make a change along with that lava movement and the volcano's eruption. And uh, when you look at the mountains and you look at the valleys and you hear from people like you, yourself, about wh- when the volcanoes happened so far away, but all of a sudden you're looking at the finished product almost. In other words, here's these, the soil over the rocks and and the mountains so high and some so low and the valleys in between, that's all because of the lava and the volcano movement way back in time. Well, it's interesting that you mention that because uh, one of the things that I've worked on for our website are some activities on plate tectonics. And so when I hear you talking about the volcanoes and the movement, I think a lot about the plate tectonics and exercises okay. we can do to show how plates have moved over time. And there we go. And, and explain to our listeners in our lab today what the plates mean. What's the, de- the description of plates? Uh, well, uh, what, what we're looking at is a, an area on the surface of the Earth that um, sort of stays together. So if you think about a jigsaw puzzle, and you can think about pieces maybe floating on uh, water, or maybe it would be easier to think about oatmeal. So it's a little bit harder to move because okay. the plates don't move that quickly, um, but they do move. And so we have um, new material coming up where plates are pulling apart. And so these are rift areas um, in the sort of center of the Atlantic Ocean. You, Iceland is an area that we can see um, where the plates are moving apart and the lava from the volcanoes. Are now help me with my uh, our guests listening. Uh, when you say Thank plate, you. <laughs> and we're saying the plates of the Earth, what what is what is the definition of the plate so they can connect it because they can't see it? That's a really good question. I'm going to try and answer that for you in a, a way that's um, understandable to everybody. Okay. Okay. And so when I think of a plate, I think of a large area that is somewhat independent. And so when I say large area, it could include crust or oceanic material. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's take something, right now I'm sitting on the North American plate. Okay. And and so it's a a large plate. It's a very large plate. Very vast. It takes an enormous amount of of, of territory. Yes. Yes, it does. And so that plate, and there are lots of little plates too, so lots of little areas of land. So when you think of maybe the San Andreas Fault, Okay. Um, in California, you, we're looking at two plates sliding by each other. And so really they're just um, an, an area of land that is either oceanic crust, oceanic area. And, of course, that's not really happening at the surface, really, where you get to see anything move. It's happening below the surface. Exactly. And the, the, the unknown area, except for if you're a geologist or into research of what, what is the technology that they use today to check those plates and keep a check on them all the time? Well, that's a really neat question because it's really it's amazing the types of things we can do now. Um, we can actually use satellites. So I don't know if you have a GPS unit in your car or whether you've played with, um, with GPS, but the idea is that you figure out where you are. Okay. Um, and so what we do as scientists is we put devices out in areas that we know 
Mm-hmm. And we monitor them over time to look at how they're moving. And you can do that 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. And the data comes in um, very quickly, and then it has to be analyzed and compared. And That's why so, you can tell uh, th- th- uh, there is going to be a, a volcano eruption. You can 24 hours a day, um, almost like a symptom with the, your technical uh, information, can watch the symptoms, let's say, of the volcano f- all the time. That's a great way of looking at it, that, um, sort of like a doctor looks at a person to figure right. out what's going what's on. the symptom of this oh. organic matter on Earth. Right. So we use both the, the GPS, we call that ground deformation. So okay. if you think about the ground moving small amounts, I don't know if you live in an area, I live in an area where my house cracks. And so due to the water, um, in the winter it looks one way and the doors close one way, and in the summer they close slightly differently. Mm-hmm. But um, that's what we're looking at in volcanoes. We're looking for movement in the earth. That's one thing. Now, I want to ask you, uh, and I know that's coming through some of our minds right now, and and I know that's not your expertise, but let's get your evaluations. Uh, What's the relationship uh, to the technology that you're studying? But what is the relationship between an earthquake and a volcano? Do they have any relationships at all? Well, um, a lot of times before volcanoes erupt, we see a lot of earthquake activity. And so if you can imagine that uh, fluids or magma moving up needs to... um, So basically there isn't a big pathway. The pathway has to open up. And as it opens up, the rocks move, and we record that as the earthquakes. Now, you know, what comes through my mind throughout the world is it's pretty knowledgeable that California has quite a few earthquakes. Do you have any volcano where was there an influence from some volcano anywhere that would be any influence to your earthquakes? Well, we have a bunch of volcanoes in California. So the Cascade Range reaches down into northern California. So we have Shasta and Lassen and Medicine Lake. And so there's that- activity going on that no one can really see with that symptom detection that, there, that uh, when you think there could become a, a particular earthquake in the future or because of some activity that we don't see above the ground, that you're noticing it below the ground? Well, I can give you an example with uh, Long Valley. So Long Valley Caldera is... Now, where is that at? So that is in eastern California. That's where Mammoth Mountain is and Mono Lake, if anyone knows of those beautiful geologic sites. Okay. And 760,000 years ago, there was a huge eruption there. And since then, there's still magma at depth. And so there's, it's a very active area for both mm-hmm. tectonic earthquakes, which is with the plates moving, mm-hmm. and then also with the volcanic earthquakes, which we think is due to some, maybe fluids moving because there's an active what's called a hydrothermal system. So there's a lot of aquifer activity underneath there. Yes, in certain areas. Lots of water. Lots of water moving Lots around. Of water yeah. under there. Now, um, that particular area, let's say, that way back thousands and thousands of years ago, there was a very powerful volcano. Then, all, then the plates uh, began to do a lot of different symptomatic activity because of that particular volcano. And then comes your earthquakes in time that almost all three would relate, right? The volcanic oh. symptoms that are going on under the ground, the plates, and then potentially of, um, the earthquake. Well, we, um, probably there have been earthquakes all along through the oh, okay. entire system, and then um, the 
volcanoes, uh, we had a very large eruption, but it doesn't look like that type of eruption will occur again because there have been lots of little types of eruptions since then. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about, uh, Dina, a lot of man-made influences. One of my pet peeves, I, I tell the world, is man-making uh, insulated windows and walls in houses and buildings and taking out the breath of life inside of them that's causing the worst devastation of the environment uh, as far as I'm concerned and then adding the forced air heating and cooling and and man also all the chemistry of the fabrics and all that uh, and bedding and more outdoors uh, what have we done on the surface of the earth not considering what was below the earth in the plates in the former volcanoes within region and the potential of earthquakes and and more has there, uh, do you know of anything that's being done to study that? The study of the outdoor conditions with the plates and the volcanoes and p- building around them and certain levels of, let's say we build a city like Los Angeles. It's very heavily populated, enormous buildings and enormous amount of houses and, 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 and buildings going on around the plates um, that are, and, and lots of people, lots of activity. Is there any relationship to that, or is that just, it would have nothing to do with it? You know what, I don't actually know. Um, I do know that there's a lot of concern for people who are building up on volcanoes, just because we really, nobody controls the volcano. A volcano becomes active and... Why would a person, why would anybody build around a volcano? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be, I, I'm a common sense person. I am not that smart. I have to study everything I've ever done in my life, upside and down the other, and study the petri, uh, this side of it. But why would people want to build in an area that is unforeseen, that has had activity and symptoms um, that could cause death, life and death? Well, it's, uh, I think it's a, an of looking yeah. at your odds. So first uh-huh. of all, volcanoes are so gorgeous. Um, who doesn't want to go visit one and look at one? Uh-huh. Um, now, let's think... ask you, have you visited one? Of course, yes. I, I, I know. Okay. Um, Tell us about it, where you went and what you saw. Well, one of our volcano observatories is actually on the main island of Hawaii. Okay. And it's called the Hawaii Volcano Observatory. Uh-huh. And the observatory itself is actually based looking into uh, an active crater, so the Hale Mau Mau Crater. Uh-huh. And it's it's gorgeous. It's a Now when um, you say gorgeous, what does that mean? Well, it's a national park and but what um, I mean is it's surrounded by beauty, but when you say gorgeous, it's the it's the surroundings and, and I'm thinking about looking down into the volcano uh, <laughs> hollow uh, cone. Right. And you can actually go online and see pictures of it, but okay. basically if you just imagine a very large crater and okay. so mm-hmm. um, like a a big sort of spherical or oval shape that goes into the ground, uh-huh. and you're just looking at rock, and okay. um, there's some gas and steam coming up, Okay. different areas, and to me, the rock is just so gorgeous. Yeah, before we go today, have you ever been to the Crater Lake? I know it's no longer uh, an active, but it was at one time. Have you been to Crater Lake in Oregon? I have. I oh, have. isn't it gorgeous? I see. I think that's gorgeous as well. We and just had a guest on who, that's one of their expertises, is the Crater Lake region. He's on the board there, and and 2,000 feet deep, the hydraulic, uh, I mean, absolutely, uh, and the, the, the color 
Um, have you ever been anywhere in the world or heard of anywhere that has a color like Crater Lake has? It's a beautiful color. Uh, there, there are lots of different lakes that have different um, compositions that uh-huh. turn them different colors. So, so yes, it's and a, they it's usually come from because of the um, at one time a volcano. A lot of them. those lakes that are remote like that. Uh, some of them, yes. Uh huh. And then there's also when glaciers melt, you can get different colored water as well. Uh-huh. So water is really fascinating. Well, yeah, I've been studying it for a long time, and uh, I dove in. I really t- took toward the human side of what the air is not giving us anymore, is that moisture you can't see and what was going to be the devastation to be too dry. But I've always been fascinated by the waters of the world. And now back to volcano. Yeah. Uh, when there's been a volcano... Is there usually, like over there in California, is there water around there? And that, are there any glacier activities? Or, or is it just uh, when you have a volcano that there doesn't always have to be a glacier uh, around the area that came later? Right, there doesn't always have to be a glacier. Um, a lot of the volcanoes up in Alaska have glaciers, mm-hmm. but it's really cold there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure you can imagine that the glaciers form where, where it's cold. Um, the Volcanoes in Washington as well, Mount St. Helens and uh, Mount Rainier, mm-hmm. depending on when they erupt, you can see how big and how tall they are. You can see yeah. how big the glaciers are. Wow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the glaciers are very interesting because when the volcano erupts, a lot of that water melts, and so that can be very hazardous to people and property downstream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there something else you'd like to teach? Let's say we have youth out there. Where would we go? With families, I have also, Dina, um, the U.S. Forest Service has been a guest on here many times throughout the whole United States, even uh, up in Alaska, the um, uh, different areas. But is there a place for families to go to show their children uh, the, or there's been volcanoes and give them education about this planet with the, because of the volcano influence? I, I think that the National Park Service does an excellent job, and I recommend everyone to go visit national parks and to see volcanoes. Um, one of the nice things about going to a volcano that's part of a national park or part of the U.S. Forest Service is that there's interpretive material, mm-hmm. and so someone can tell you about it, and uh, I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Now, I noticed on here you have it uh, www.volcanos.usgs.com. Is it gov or go? It's gov, G-O-V, gov. Okay. For government. Government. Now, do they have, uh, do you guys where you're at have uh, junior park rangers um, uh, where they can come in and become junior park rangers and get a little something for going to visit um, volcanoes? You know, that's a great idea, and that's something that we've been talking about doing. Oh, do it. Do it, Tina. Okay. Children, Um, you know, children are the most perfect people on earth. There's no child born that's not perfect. And they're so excited about learning more about their lives and how can you learn about your own life until you learn about the earth. That is a good point. And I I do want to let you know that there is a big section on education for um, parents or teachers and there are activities for kids to do, but right now we don't have a a certificate. Um, There's lots of information to learn on the website. Yeah, no, I think something to make the, for the children to feel connected. You know, um, when you were young, didn't you get connected? Because you, did you go out with your family and you looked at the rocks and look at where you're at today? That's true. And actually, one of my most memorable trips with my family was to a national park in Maine where and, we and went. You, and you never forgot it. I didn't. How old were you? I 
want to say 10, maybe. Yeah. You know, I've talked to a lot of heads of, of, of forest services and different park systems and uh, the glaciers more and more and more, and everyone started out with that influence. And I've even had them come from the big city uh, of Brooklyn or wherever in the world, uh, and then all of a sudden the family took them someplace, and it, it, they just connected, and they decided when they grow up, I'm going to do that. And uh, we need to get our families back to that, Dina, um, uh, people like yourself are so influential that the ch- the kids, I don't care how old they are, from, uh, let's say, toddler to uh, adults. In fact, I was reading a book recently that I really liked. It's called um, uh, the, the Shift Age. What the idea was is the author wanted it to know we're shifting into ages all the time, like there's an environmental change in our environment. And in this uh, particular Spanish essayist said, we should try to be the parents of our future rather than the offspring of our past. We in positions like yourself and we people that become mature, uh, parents, adults, life. You don't have to be a giving birth to be a parent. You can be a parent of your life. That these children, uh, children all over the world are hungry to, to connect like we had talked about our uh, dogs recently. Uh, all dogs are angels at heart. People connecting to other life on earth, not just to the human but uh, getting involved with the children and teaching them about the volcano and, and what the influence with the volcano and the, and the plates of the earth and the, and the uh, earthquakes and water. And all of a sudden, they'll start thinking that they're not the only thing living here, that there's an earth to live with, uh, not just only humans, but there's an earth that we need to learn to live with every day also. So is there a, a little something you'd like to say before you go? Uh, well, I would like to tell people to check out the website. Again, it's volcanoes, V-O-L-C-A-N-O-E-S dot U-S-G-S dot gov. And so that's for the U.S. Geological Survey. And we communicate information about volcanoes across the U.S. And it can tell you different acti- the activity that's going on mm-hmm. and their maps and just lots of great information mm-hmm. to, to share. Well, thank you. Tell everyone we said hello, and have a wonderful summer. Thank you. You too. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, listeners, we're in a classroom, and this particular classroom, and I don't care where you're sitting and where you're at on this earth, remember when you get out of bed every day, you're touching the floor like everything else touches the floor and you begin a day. And remember the freedoms that you have thanks to our heroes of this planet. Those of us that are sitting here listening, maybe there's others that are out there crusading for us to have the freedom of life and peace and freedom of worship prayer. And the most powerful weapon in the world are the fact that you know you have freedom in your mind to do what you wish. Now, your health is vital, your mental health. And it doesn't mean if you're put up in a tree and you're stuck there, you still have a mental capability of your health and how you want to look at where you're at and what you're doing. Um, we just recently, for example, been learning a lot about medications. And I want to close today real quickly. And when you're taking a medication, ask a lot of questions. When you're taking a multiple of vitamins, ask a lot of questions. Could they tox- cause a toxin? We're only human. You're built of an organism. It's just like trying to blow up the earth. You can't. Don't do it. Don't try to do it to yourself. Your life on this earth. 
Earth has a secret. And on this Earth, I hope you're embracing every precious moment. It's important to you, but also shows others that you find your life a gift. Earth is whispering, never say goodbye, because if you don't, you'll always find it to be a very important something to leave. Leave your footprint. You're important. And there's something out there called love. I want to thank you for listening. Have a nice day. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.